Empire of Dreams podcast. six in the morning and I woke up. Is it time to go? My sister said, now come on, it is 6.15. Then we hurried up to go to school. We were gathering there to board buses. The teachers were standing at the buses with clipboards. Each bus had a letter. We were put into buses alphabetically. We had to look for the P bus. We are Maria and Paola Ponce. I'm eight years old, and my sister is six. In two hours, we will arrive in Disneyland. Whoa! This will be our first time across the border, and our first time away from Mexico. It is 1986. The buses were heading from Tijuana to Anaheim, California. That time, we didn't even need our passports. Once we crossed the border, I noticed the grass was green and perfectly cut, the houses big, and all looked brand new. At the time, Tijuana was like a dry desert town. You could see the tumbleweed around the streets and hear this characteristic wind of the desert. And when it rained, the streets were turned into muddied rivers, and once in a while we got stuck. In contrast, California was this immaculate, pretty place, but fake. California para mí era un lugar excesivamente cuidado. El pasto verde, las casas, parques, playas, todo estaba en su lugar. Houses, parks and beaches were excessively polished. Everything was in order. No había basura ni hoyos en las calles. Del otro lado, tenían lavadoras de trastes e incluso teléfonos celulares. En Tijuana ni siquiera teníamos línea en nuestra casa. People on the other side were using mobile phones. En Tijuana we didn't even had a landline in our house. Allá todo era bonito. Todo era una ilusión. Como en Disneyland. Everything looked pretty, but without depth. And Disneyland was part of that illusion. Welcome to Celebration Florida. The community of Celebration was designed by the Walt Disney Company, just on the doorsteps of Walt Disney Resort, right here in Orlando, Florida. A planned community with residents first moving into Celebration in the fall of 1996. Celebration was designed by the best architects in the world, who studied a variety of urban development in typical Disney fashion. The play Celebration Florida was created by American writer Greg Wohead a Texan who now calls London, England home. It's based on a real place, constructed to be the perfect town and located right next to Disney World.
I noticed that there were a few times during the play that um, there was this phrase of um, you've landed in a place that's familiar but you've never been to that place. Can you explain that? So this idea of Celebration Florida, which is this town, this constructed town in Florida, a lot of it felt like it was constructed to make you feel like it was familiar. Like it's all these houses are constructed as if they're from a different architectural period or style or different area of the country. And so they're always referring or reminiscent or connected to some other place and some other time. So you can experience elements of that town for the first time, and yet they would still feel familiar. The cognitive scientist Vittoria Galeza has said that our mind is constantly creating mental imagery. He says that we had images before language and so. We are always looking for an imaginary future. Have you ever longed for a place you've never been? Uh, yeah, I would say I, I have in some sort of way because there are some things in this show about like longing for, for something that's at a distance, a person or place that's at a distance. And so, you know, when there's that distance there, it's like you idealize something in your mind about what it was or what it could be or what it is. And you might think differently if it was right in front of you, if you did have it. And it's the longing that almost creates, in some ways can create a pleasure, you know, or an, uh, this great version of something that, that might not live up to what you're imagining it would be or, or that it was if it was with you, you know. So, um, so in some ways, yeah, I think all the time. I'm a very like nostalgic person, I think, generally. So I think I have a lot of like longing for things that probably never, never were. These field trips across the border happened regularly. We went to Hollywood, Knott's Berry Farm and SeaWorld. But Disneyland, you know, Disneyland was the ultimate destination for any child. By the time I was 13 years old, things started to change. It was harder to cross. In 1994, the American government started building a metal wall, replacing the barbed wire, and they removed all the crosses that were there. Those were for commemorating people who died trying to cross. Over the time, though, crosses started to reappear. Right at the ocean in Baja, California, near Tijuana, a metal wall rises from the sea. It is the U.S. border wall, erected to stop drug smuggling and also illegal migration. Mexicans gather at a doorway that's at the end of the Tijuana wall. If the door isn't open, they reach through the slats and touch fingers. It's called the Door of Hope and has been opened about six times. If it is open, people stand right under the door frame and hug, kiss, sometimes getting married. But a lot of them just catch up. 
Uh, there's a narrative uh, on um, the book Devil's Highway uh, that it's about the border. It's, it's a book that changed my Guillermo life. Guillermo Galindo is an experimental composer who lives in California. He was born in Mexico. There's descriptions of, uh, of people literally seeing cities in the middle of the desert, imagining cities and imagining arriving to the place where they are and they are still there. So at the same time, the journey becomes, I don't know, it, it's, uh, it's very difficult to, to, to describe. I, I, I don't know, I think- Galindo spent four years collecting objects in the desert near the U.S.-Mexico border. He partnered with photographer Richard Mizra for the project Border Cantos. This excerpt is from the book Devil's Highway by Luis Alberto Urrea. John Doe number 38, Green Socks. John, John Doe number 41, Fake Silver Watch, Six Mexican Coins, One Comb, A Belt Buckle with a Spur and Laid, Four Pills and a Foil Strip. John, John Doe, Doe number 47, 47. No, no Effects, One, one tattoo. tattoo, Maria. It's these kind of objects that Galindo crafts musical instruments from and then plays them. practice imaginary stories and this is kind of a combination of art imagination ritual and forensic anthropology coming from a, a western musical uh, education through these objects i get to understand uh, the way that um, and the function that sound and music had in mesoamerica in the pre-columbian times which is more of a a spiritual connection with things, so um, opposed to the way that the Western instruments are approached, which is you force the instrument to create a sound, you force a violin to tune the way you want it and to get the sound that you want. In this case, the objects tell me, the sonic objects tell me how to play them. They are the ones that speak. They play me, I don't play them. Can you describe um, some of the objects used in effigy and what the uh, recording means to you? Yes, uh, effigy is, um, is based in some of the first photographs that uh, Richard Misra showed me when we met. And he took these photos before we, we met. So actually, he had, by, by this time, he had been taking these photos for a while. And there were these effigies in the middle of nowhere and they were kind of dressed with immigrant clothing. And we kept wondering what they were. 
we, we thought perhaps they're kind of uh, some kind of landmarks or guides, maybe signs or scarecrows. And um, so, so I was very inspired uh, seeing these images and their mystery. And I, I made my first uh, string sonic object on the shape and presence of those effigies. Um, and the instrument is made of hollow wood and immigrant clothing and strings. It's very interesting, it has a human shape and the arms are open up as when you uh, are um, searched uh, by, a, when you're stopped by a police or border patrol, they tell you to open your arms like that. Or when you're crossing the TSA line in, a, in an airport, you also raise your hands like that. So it's a very symbolic, the hands and the legs open like that uh, for searching. Searching is an important metaphor. I remember this uh, child backpack that I found uh, on my first trip to Laredo and uh, it had a, a print of uh, this cartoon dog that is called Blue's Clues and it's a little cartoon dog that uh, my young son used to like so I was very touched because I thought of a child the age of my son traveling with that backpack and it had inside a um, plastic ball and a uh, um, soda drink that is called Fanta. And it's a typical Mexican beverage that I, I used to drink when I was a child. So I had this big connection with uh, the child that was traveling with that backpack. And it, I was very impacted by it. I, I couldn't speak to anybody or say anything for a long time. I was very touched. I felt as if it was me or my son that was there. feel that objects and musical instruments that you're playing are connecting with people uh, through sound? Yes, definitely. We're, we're making a connection. We're, we're bringing the situation and the desert and the stories into this space where I'm playing. You know, We're bringing it and people are listening to it, they're hearing it, they're seeing it, they're imagining it, they're participating in this. We are all participants. It's not. It's not like I'm in a stage and I'm a star. I'm just channeling something into the people. I feel more like a, like a radio transmitter. And what is very interesting is I play, also music that is not very consonant in my instruments, and people cry and people come and hug me after the concerts. In our languages, we have tried to define these feelings of longing, loss, and hope. Pananabik 
Sehnsucht, Brajmoni, Fernweh. So I remember this short film we watched, me and Maria. It's called High City of Bone. It's about the descendants of Cape Verdeans who now live in the outskirts of Lisbon. Do you remember it, Maria? Yeah, quite clearly, actually. Um, do you remember the main character? Um, he, was, he was living in a sugar cane plantation, but he was living actually in Lisbon, in the hills of Lisbon, and he was refusing to come back to the city. Yeah. And then we discovered that all these Portuguese of Cape Verdean background had built a culture around their longing to be in their ancestral homeland. Yeah, uh, this movie was really moving us. By the end of the 18 minutes, I remember that we both had tears crawling down our faces. And the film was really engaging us and we were feeling like we were not here or there. Yeah, we were both quiet for a long time. For all of you who are listening, is there a place that you long for? And if you got to that place, was it what you had dreamt of? Guillermo Galindo. In the middle of the, of, of the emptiness, I found this child's shoe that uh, was so um, transformed by the weather that looked like an opening flower. It was just a beautiful object. Of Dreams podcast. This episode was created with the support of Bear Radio in Berlin. We'd like to thank Blake Farha, who enacted the excerpt from the Devil's Highway book. Carla Lima for the Morna song Perdamo Emilia, Casa da Morna in Cape Verde. And Talia Gongora, who recorded audio and took photos at the border wall in Tijuana. 